What's up, everyone? Welcome back to State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. Uh, it's me, Benjamin Klon, and we've also got Alex Sahori. Hello. And uh, joining us for the second time is uh, Carly Hammond. Hello. Welcome back to the show, Carly. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, how have uh, have you been doing? What what have uh, what have you what have you been up to? So I'm currently running for office in a five-way contested primary in Saginaw, the 95th district, running for House of Rep seat up here. And um, I've got the night off, but it's been very, very busy, uh, especially trying to reformulate an entire campaign plan uh, during this pandemic. Um, but things are things are going very well. Things are looking up for our campaign. I'm very uh, I'm very excited about it. But it's good to. Uh, sort of get out of the uh, horse race mindset and come and record a podcast. So thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, well, I more or less meant just like, you know, uh, on a personal level, what have you, uh, what have you oh. been up to? Campaigning, um, everything. It is life. It is 24 seven, but also, um, with the with pandemic time, I, you know, I'm a community organizer first. Sure. So uh, in in my own community in Saginaw, I have been banging my head against the wall trying to get certain community quote unquote leaders to do the right thing uh, when it comes to building transparency and protecting our community. But most people are really just maintaining their own status quos and it's it's very frustrating um as well as I, I i've tried to keep my ear to the ground and keep connected with a lot of other statewide progressive organizations since there's so many things happening through gretchen whitmer's pen right now um, for us to collectively organize and fight for things as a state is really important um so we you know we were hooked in on the right to literacy lawsuit as well as the uh there's fights right now to go on to protect uh, incarcerated persons, both in the Michigan Department of Corrections and in local jails and in detention centers uh, and in juvenile justice centers, um, which is, you know, the most Orwellian thing I've ever heard. But uh, especially with uh, the detention centers, there's a detention center trying to get opened up in Ionia. I actually, that's <laughs> that's something to talk about. I, I happened to go on their county commissioner meeting where they were discussing potentially opening it. And on behalf of the, uh, what was it? The, the company opening up and profiting from the detention center, it was like American prison association or something um or or uh -huh. something incarceration whatever terrible horrible people was dennis munchmore former chief of staff to rick snyder who i know very well not personally but from many memos that i dug up during my time as an organizer in flint and he is uh, uh let's just say um a monster and I'm, I'm glad, I feel like I was meant to be there in order to, when I, because they did have public comment to say my piece and talk about how, um, you know, the county commission in, in this, uh, this area should not trust this, this person because they lied to the press and they lied to the media about deaths in Flint and about the situation in Flint. And they're going to do the same to you because, of course, a lot of those commissioners were concerned about, well, if people die and if bad things go wrong, we want to make sure we can prevent that. And we want to make sure if bad things are happening, we know about it. You're asking the wrong guy. You're trusting the wrong guy. So that was 
that was a whole thing. That's there, there, there are many fights happening yeah. and I'm really glad to have a really great network in Michigan of progressive organizers and of, of leftist organizers who are trying their hardest to plug up so many holes um, in what feels like a sinking ship in this pandemic of so many vulnerable populations dying and getting left behind and getting hurt. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's so many fights that we're trying to be a part of, but I'm also running this campaign, uh, which is, you know, the biggest thing because, I, you know, hopefully like, like the whole point of getting elected is to have the power to make a difference in these things. And we have a really, really big shot at winning, which I'm excited about. But yeah, there's, there's, like I said, there's so many things happening right now. It's, it's hard for even me to keep track. I forget, I forget sometimes about, uh, the things that happened just a couple weeks ago because there's just new things every day. Yeah, it's, it can be, it's, it's incredibly overwhelming to try and keep up with everything that's going on because there's just, uh, so much, so many horrible things that were going on before this pandemic started. And now the pandemic has just completely has just totally exacerbated everything. Um, but so you're, you're running for, you're running for state rep, which means that, you know, if you're elected, then you will be a member of the Michigan state legislature, which, uh, canceled the legislative session last Thursday, um, because of, uh, death threats from the, from these fucking right-wing terrorists that have been coming to the Capitol with their, uh, with their guns. Uh, so it's, uh, very, very good and cool to see this happening. Um, well, also, and just to point this out, the state legislature cancels sessions a lot mm -hmm. uh, to avoid certain protests that they think will uh, go badly, but not go badly as in they're predicting actual violence. And, and I'm glad they, they shut down this one in particular. Sure. But um, I was part of a protest a few months ago that was to fix the fix because they passed a horrible insurance car insurance reform legislation and isaac robinson helped put to get the light and great isaac robinson helped put together uh, a fantastic counter protest we brought over seven thousand people to the state capitol there were lots of and about a third of them had some sort of visible um uh, mobility assistance device, which if you're talking, especially people in mobility chairs, it is hard for them to travel. Yeah. And the legislature canceled session the day before, um, so that they would avoid all of those people and that they would avoid, you know, the, the bad look of essentially imagine, you know, the Mitch McConnell, uh, scene of them, you know, dragging, people with disabilities by their wheelchairs out of his office protesting. That's what they were trying to avoid because that's what they were up against because this, this insur car insurance reform bill was so bad for survivors of car accidents. But I digress. It's, it's, I, I just saw a lot of the, the grandstanding of certain um, publications saying, you know, legislative session is canceled and democracy is defeated. It's like, okay, okay, okay well, well they, then we've defeated, like democracy has been defeated many a time in the legislature and it's not very hard to do apparently. Um, but I'm glad they canceled this session. And yeah, there's a bunch of crazy people, crazy people going to Lansing right now to uh, wave guns around and, and feel like big boys. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty wild time. I've been listening to like a lot of uh, Zizek lately. And, um, you know, he's been talking a lot about how, like, he just doesn't really believe that, uh, like, capital, like, liberalism and cap the capitalist liberalism that we live in today is not just going to be capable of sustaining 
like the future, like what's going to come in the future, especially like with climate change and climate refugees like coming in. He kind of sees like a recipe for like, you know, something new on the horizon. And it's important now that we just organize today. That way we're in position tomorrow when things really start to hit the fan. Yeah, man. We're at the end of the end of history, right? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, like Fukuyama looks like a fucking idiot. <laughs> Wait, hey, dig dig into that for me. When you say organize today, do you mean like organize today to protect the people that we can, or organize today and try to like activate the people you see around you in order to fight in the future for like bigger fights? Both. 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 Okay. Yeah. No. Because like yeah, like helping people in the like. Uh, meantime is important but like let's face it like you know mutual aid right now it can only go so far right we need not to steal from elizabeth warren but big structural change big you know structural like, bailey. we need we need some big structural bailey we in need a fish. giant inflatable dog yeah so like i was unless... actually thinking like a huge huge glass of baileys just for everyone <laughs> no exactly no if, if everybody got a bailey and you know we had bailey based communism a bailey based that... <laughs> stimulus I yeah like ba it. <laughs> bailey based stimulus <laughs> bailey bailey will personally uh, deliver everybody a burrito if they're hungry <laughs> no but yeah right like you know and i there if we if, you know, like Zizek is right or like, you know, things are going to develop, you know, and as things develop, right, we have to be in position to do what we want. Like, you know, they're going to they're going to the people in power, the capitalists like capital, they're going to figure out a way to keep like hierarchy and themselves in that spot. And we need to be ready like when uh you know, things kind of go chaotic to climb that ladder, as Littlefinger would say. Like, you know, like climb that ladder of chaos to the top and then and, and, th and then bring in neo-Stalinism. <laughs> and actually, so on a uh, on an applicable note, I have had people in, in Saginaw, my community, get activated and get connected because of this. And the first pe right. thing I did was like, I led them down the path a little bit and I was like, hey, have you guys heard about this group called Michigan United or We the People? Because they do all this mutual aid stuff or have you seen what some people in Lansing are doing with this? And then you bring them down a little bit. And so, like before I knew it, my friend is coming up to me and she's like, oh my God, Carly. So I started getting these emails from this group called Sunrise. And have you read, I went on one of their calls and they talked about this thing called a Green New Deal. Have you heard of it? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I have. And she's like, it's amazing. And, she, and she's like, and they're talking about, they're talking about us. They're talking about this community. And I'm like, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. They're like, and, and, and we can get these green jobs. I'm like, yes, we can. And ah, oh, it like, it, I was like, see that little Bambi organizer made my heart so full, made my heart so full. But there are people who are being activated and who are coming together. And it's our jobs, if we're in this position, to rope them in and bring them over. Doesn't matter what position they're at, doesn't matter what part in their journey they're at, we can still tug on that line a little bit and get them to come over to our side. Well, that's good. It's kind of had like the opposite effect for me. For, for me, like... This has kind of been t like, I think it's like also just the Bernie campaign ending 
Yeah. Yeah. And all and like this happening at the same time. But like me, when I really started like, you know, getting into like like really being like a leftist was kind of just watching the uh Democrats kind of just fail at being in opposition for Donald Trump. And, you know, like I saw like I had like I'd heard about like DSA, like, you know, f- for a little while. And then Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez won her primary and, you know, she was DSA. And I was just like, all right, I guess it's time to join this DSA now. And, you know, then uh, 2019, January 2019 is when I joined DSA. And now now I just kind of like, you know, in May in 2020, I'm just kind of like trying to figure out, all right, well, Bernie's done. We're in this like coronavirus thing. But what is DSA going to be when this is done? You know, like we need to start thinking about that. That way that we're in position, right, to do what we need to do as soon as it's done. Because I think there is going to be a lot of opportunity when, like, it's allowed, you know. And I, I, there is a lot of opportunity that's going on now. You're right. And we actually are seeing that. Apparently, DSA membership is booming. But I do think that um, I... I, th- I, I, we can't just be focused on, you know, the present. We also need to be focused on the future. We can't just be focused on doing like the present coronavirus, um, organizing. We also have to be thinking about what is DSA and what are these leftist movements going to do in the future to gain power? So, and, and you know, like I've talked a lot about how, you know, I think that's really probably not with like electoral, like electoral uh, politics is good, but also we need to work on, you know, union uh, membership and also getting people who like think like us in union leadership. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that is like, because if, if like you have like a radical fucking communist leading a union, like for instance, like the, uh, um, the uh, uh, flight attendants union, they were really big and shut and ending that shutdown uh if you remember like they were going to go on strike during the government shutdown and they were mm-hmm. like hex now you're not doing this anymore and they ended the shutdown right because of like a strike action if you were to have like these like different labor segments organized enough to where you could literally shut down the economy through labor actions that's that's what the that's what the future of like that's what the future of revolution in this country is going to look like yeah i mean that's something that's been pointed out several times since this pandemic started and something i'm sure i mean you've talked about this on the podcast um alex is that like you know this pandemic is really highlighting what workers um well not not just the fact that you know workers make the fucking economy work and make society run uh but like what workers are you know a essential uh to yeah, making no. everything function and these are the people who we need to organize and need to be prepared to take action if we you know want to uh seize power yeah look how fast unskilled labor turned into essential labor mm-hmm. like that should be a big light bulb in every one of those people's heads like hey um i could like do some i could hold like some real power right now if me and my comrades were organized and i think like it's I, I can see both sides of it because on one end I'm see, I'm watching people get outraged, working at Kroger, getting their quote unquote hero pay taken or their 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 uh, hazard pay taken away. Meanwhile, Kroger is still running ads saying, uh, "Hey, we want to just thank you guys for being our heroes." <laughs> and I'm watching people get mad, and I'm like, "Yes, get mad, good, please do." 
But also at the same time, like, I'm watching people go back to work for employers that are flagrantly violating the stay home order um, and the executive orders in order to reopen. For instance, um, I have a friend who works for an artisanal food goods store. Think like butter and honey that's made from like local places. So it's nothing that anybody needs. Uh, they decided to classify themselves as a grocery store in order to reopen and start serving people and letting people into the store, not just curbside service, but letting people in and shop around on May 15th. And then they also got in those plastic guards to protect them from the cashier, like the cashiers. Um, and they were about three feet too short to be useful. Uh, they basically came up to most people's like uh, uh, chest height. Um, no one complained. No one said anything. Uh, I mean, people complained to the manager and the manager complained up the chain, but no one called the attorney general's office and was like, hey, or OSHA and to be like, my safety is being violated. No one walked out, even though they're getting paid more to stay home um, and no one quit. And it's so like, I see it both ways. Like I really see this anger and like some clarity forming around who the enemy is and, and how much power potentially labor can have. But at the other end, I'm watching people just put their heads down and be like, oh, well, this is just another thing my employer does that's shitty. Yeah, and that's and that goes like that's somewhat a failing on our end. But also mm. but also like that is something that I don't I don't know if it's a failure, actually. Like a lot of people say like or I think a big mistake that the left makes is that the left chooses culture as a battlefield. And I just don't think what do you mean that. By that? I, I think that, like, we need to be, fo like, kind of like what I was saying before, like, focus more on gaining power in labor, focus more on, you know, getting elected, you know, actual political goals, then, you know, doing this, like, you know, changing society through the culture. Like, I, I think that, you know, you if you, there's good politics, good culture will come from that, in my opinion. I mean, what, can you give me an example of, like, trying to change power through culture. I just need to know what you're talking about. Um, I mean, like, uh, so, okay. I'm, I, Use it this in is a pretty, sentence. this is pretty pop. This is pretty like topical. Right. And this kind of also goes to, goes to show like the problem with, you know, like this sort of tactic, um, the whole like me too era and believe women. Right. Like that became more about like, believe women then like all right what are the policies and what are the politics of women in the workplace place now right like we had it we had it we we had a uh there were like women talking about that discussion but they were drowned out by you know people like Alyssa Alyssa milano and uh you know, and now, and, and you know, they were just like, oh, believe women, believe women, believe women. Now they don't even care about believe women, right? Because it, the, the culture war is not to their benefit any longer. That's why it's always better to start out with like, uh, you know, having straightforward political goals mm -hmm. and achieving those that, goals. I would say that that's less a failing on like trying to go f like, attack or, or not attack but but like trying to change culture i see it more in terms of like um maybe changing culture is a good word for it but like the difference between um fostering justice 
and like putting a band-aid on a problem. Because for instance, like justice would be um, like, like changing things legislatively, requiring that all these different boards, like many other countries do, require a certain amount of women or non-binary folks um, in positions of power, like having, having a ratio requirement. Right. And, but, how, but, but, but how do you, all right. So like, so, okay, that's like a goal, right? And yeah. what are the intermediary, intermediary goals like to that? Right. Are they changing the culture or like having like a culture that emphasizes that? Or is it like, all right, you gain power somehow and you build policy that engineers, you know, that outcome. Well, the culture right? has to drive the policy. I mean, that's well, just... Well, I, I, I just, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. I think that... What else it, would drive the policy? Economics a little bit, organizing, you know, just, you you have to gain power, right? You have that to gain might, power yeah. first. And I, I think that might just be a semantic argument with, like, the differences, what we're thinking about what maybe, culture is. Uh, maybe. It probably but, is. But, like... We should um, probably cut off that conversation before it gets too in the weeds, because I think we're probably in agreement. Um, cause I think, I, I think your Me Too example is actually right on because personally I, I'm very disappointed in it that there seemed to be no real goals in the beginning and it sort of, it, it like, I don't know if you've heard of Lean In. Right. Yeah. No, right? Where the, the Lean tech In people. is like, yeah, instead of, you know, paying women better and like requiring HR and having better, um, like pers- for instance, like what would be really great is if you had a Title IX officer like required for regions, except like in the state government, some someone that you could specifically talk to about workplace harassment. Um, like Title IX officer in a university, think, in, except a Title IX officer, think OSHA. Right. Um, that would be phenomenal. But instead, you know, let's tell women to like lean in and, and, and you know, take more agency in order to like feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. That's that's probably something we could dive very deeply into, but I don't think we want to get too deep into it in this uh, in this discussion. But I I appreciate your elaboration. I get no. I think I get more what you're talking about. No, yeah, no, uh, yeah, just um, it, it it's kind of like this debate, like you know whether or not culture is downstream from politics or politics downstream from culture, and I I, I do come down one way. But um, well, yeah, like we can, we can uh, let's try on. and get back to some news real quick. Um, it was um, <clears throat> I think it was like a little over a week ago that um, that Governor Whitmer announced her six stage plan for reopening the Michigan economy, <clears throat> uh, which involves the state being divided up into what is it like eight regions? I think. Are, is there going to be like red and green zones, basically? Whitmer is testing me with this plan because like, so I'm, I've been doing daily updates and they have, they've sort of tapered off from being daily since like some of the executive decisions started slowing down. Um, but I did a daily update because if you remember the Republicans came out with their plan to reopen Michigan and I held it up and I was like, well, this is dumb because it opens places by regions and it says that these certain businesses can open over here and these businesses can open over there, but it has no way to limit travel between counties and or tiers, tiered regions. So how are they supposed to control the spread of the virus when everybody from one county flocks to another county to go and visit that particular business? Right. And then also they said, oh, we're going to, we want to open businesses on the, what, what was it like the, the, t- 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 the national, the the CISA guidelines 
And I was like, well, this is the dumbest thing in the world. And this plan is dumb and Republicans should feel bad. And then Gretchen Whitmer came out with a plan that was very similar. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I want to defend this, but it's, it's hard. It's hard. You're testing me. You're testing me, Governor Whitmer. And it was like from her office too. Like it wasn't from a department or anything. So it's very hard. It was very hard for me to, to take it seriously when I had just bashed the Republican plan like a week, uh, a week or two before. All right. This might, this might surprise you, Carly, but I'm, I'm, about to defend Gretchen Whitmer here. Okay. Um, okay. So one, like, uh, actually, that is just like, you know, separating the like count, like or uh, state into regions. That is like what you're supposed to do. Um, and like you know, barring people from you know going from one place to the other. Well, I agree. Like maybe, you know, like that's nice to put in there, but also at the same time, how are you going to enforce it? And also, do you even really want to enforce it? Right. So I think, you know, and already like we've seen like Michigan more than other states, according to like some data that's come out is like, you know, we're listening and we're actually doing what's being asked of us by the state. Right. I think that the state does like need to just kind of like trust us more right and trust us not to be going into these other zones unless I absolutely completely disagree uh, unless, unless absolutely necessary. but i'll be but, but i mean like really though how are you going to enforce that how are I you mean, going to enforce I just, that i think that like statewide there are certain businesses that you just cannot open and i think oh, well, like nobody... I, okay, okay. that that i might that i kind of agree with you that i mean like that i that i agree with you i'm trying to, i'm just morally ta- mostly talking about like uh uh just kind of how like it it's going to be it it would be hard to restrict people from moving from one county to the other is all i'm saying yeah, I, I just like, I think overall, I, I, regions would make more sense to me if we had the capabilities for testing and antibody testing that Gretchen Whitmer herself has said that we needed before reopening the economy at all. But I 100% agree with you. I 100% agree with Reopening the economy without the testing we need. So, so I think well, I, should, I probably should have elaborated the, a bit more with my criticism. I mean, what is she supposed to do without the, uh, without the federal, uh, with the federal government sitting on their hands? I mean, like, you're right. It's it's a complicated scenario because the federal government right now is like basically holding state. Uh, uh, oh God, what is it? Funding for states in order to spend on their government operations. Uh, any bailouts for states? They're they're basically holding it to their chests and not saying anything about it. So there there is a. It, I mean, it's a very difficult situation. But I mean, what we're seeing right now is the people in the room who are making the decisions appear to be the same sort of corporate business owners that are always has been and the people who are going back to work first and the people who are bearing the brunt of it first are you know the working class uh especially the lower working class the essential workers the fast food workers who have always been like who haven't stayed home um i think there's a much smarter way to go about it and, and things that we could be doing if we were prioritizing um keeping people safe but right now it seems to be prioritizing um an economic recovery for a certain demographic of people. 100%. No, yeah, they're they're making sure that, like, uh, the PMC is all right and that uh, they get their little treats delivered to them at their house while they're doing their not real work. Ben, did you find the thing? So it uh, looks like there are eight regions uh, in Gretchen Whitmer's plan. Please tell me they coincide 
with any of the, like, 17,000 region divisions that already exist for Michigan. I uh, don't know what those are, so I wouldn't be able There's to say. There's so many. So these, uh, these eight geographic regions uh, are apparently based on worker travel routes and the proximity of healthcare facilities. Uh, the health risk of each region will be determined by tracking the trend of positive COVID-19 cases, the capacity of nearby hospitals, and the success of contact tracing efforts. <laughs> that sounds dope. So basically... Well, our, contact tracing, our contact tracing efforts have had, what, like a 5% success contact rate with the Yikes. contact tracing, right? That's so bad. That is pretty bad. Dude, Korea and China are whipping our ass. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> I just, I cannot, like, I feel like if, if you had asked me to predict this, uh, like, two months ago and been like, so how would you, th how do you think Michigan would handle this, this, and this? I feel like I, I probably would have predicted a lot of this happening just because of, you know, how shit we are as Americans at dealing with crisis and at how bad we are at public health and how bad we are at protecting vulnerable populations and coming up with with solutions when it when it comes to solving mass crises um but it still hurts like it's it's it it still surprises me every day just how little we're able to accomplish in the past 24 hours of of a day and like for instance just the, just the fact that our numbers for the weekends for testing and deaths confirmed from COVID always dip on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Why? Aren't we in a pandemic? Aren't all hospitals operating on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? Aren't all of these state reporting departments open because this is their, their jobs and they have plenty of people to staff for these sorts of things, but still, we have these dips on weekends because there are people who are like just just our system can't seem to take the pandemic seriously. And I'm not saying, oh, let's overwork people. Just hire more people. Right. You know, no. just get more people on it. Restructure. But we're too busy means testing all of our unemployment applicants to make sure that, oh, God forbid we have, you know, 2% of the people applying who actually uh, deserve uh, uh, $200 a week instead of $500 a week. It's, you know. Beaumont, close the fucking hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, you know, just going off of what you're, you were saying, Carly, you know, like, you're absolutely right. And as much as it pains me to say it, though, it's it's not just like something that's like poisoned in the American soul. Um, it's 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 because like America is like the heart of capital. Right. It's because of not just any capital, global capital. America is the heart of global capital. And it, what you have is you you. You, it's a, it's it's like a complete service economy. We barely make anything in this country anymore. And what does that leave you with, right? That leaves you, and and we have no like government command of like our, the major sectors of our economy whatsoever. Like even in you know like major capitalist states like the UK, like their health system is governed completely governed by uh, the state, right? So it's like it it just like is like the, there are re there there's structural reasons, right? For You're telling so so what you're telling me is that 
the uh, having at least one major weapons manufacturing facility in every state uh, isn't conducive towards producing a uh, a health or happiness centric American society. A little. That's that is kind of exactly it's, what I'm talking about. It's almost as though our entire society is 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 focused on profiteering from wars in which we kill people in other areas so much so that we kill our own citizens at a higher rate by failing to protect them because we're so obsessed with fixing other countries and trying to make them more like us meanwhile we are calling our own population by well, not allowing them to have access to health care well that's a lie right like that's a lie that they tell us that they're just going there to fix other countries like they're going there to steal resources like they're like they're steal go resources they're, for what steal resources so that we can bring them back here and like have our people prosper obviously well, not well i mean no in the no in the middle east right like we got a lot of oil and we like and and not only that but like we control like the oil market through like our like allies in the middle east and it's really the oil market that has been driving the stock market since the 90s everything else has been basically a bubble because America doesn't really do anything anymore, right? So, no, seriously, everything... We're really, we, we had, we're really good we had the at booking hotel rooms at low competitive <laughs> rates. No, exactly, right? So we had, like, the tech... Uh, we had the tech boom in the early 2000s. We had um, the housing crisis. That was a boom. We had a credit card... Uh, or, no, the, the tech boom was in the 90s, I think, we actually. We invented those avocado slicers where yeah. they leave out the pit, and then you're only losing 20% of the avocado when you push it down. But it's really easy to use. <laughs> no. No, but, like, you know, like every, we, don't really, we don't fucking do anything. So, like, everything else is a bubble. The only thing that's kept the economy and the stock market going has been oil prices. So there is, like, a really good reason why we go into the wars in... Uh, in uh, the Middle East, you know, you probably remember my fucking um, uh, Elon Musk Bolivia rant, right? Like, no, I don't. Oh, well, I, I, I don't like, remember the right, Elon Musk Bolivia rant. Right after, right after um, uh, uh, the, right after the Iowa caucus, I got really mad because oh, okay. basic. Because basically, right, like, you know, that, you know, the like, you know, we just we, we didn't know who fucking won the caucus like two weeks later. Right. And I was talking design, about how, like, yes. Right. And I was like, and I was just talking about how, like, uh, you know, a few weeks before that, there was literally a coup, a U.S. backed coup in Bolivia because oh, exit yeah. polls started stopped coming in. And exit polls stopped coming in in every single election we've ever had. And we've never had a fucking military coup. <laughs> so like you know and we did that for fucking elon musk so that he can get lithium f so we can fucking make batteries oh but plenty of corporations use lithium-ion batteries specifically yeah. apple no no 100 percent. no 100 percent. elon Dude, here oh you're don't be apple, coming after his his newborn you're, child your uh, apple, delta gamma your apple phone was was built off us back to war in android, the Congo. thank you very much well your android phone as well your apple oh, or android phone that's true was made uh, on the backs of Congolese uh coal or uh miners not coal miners but miners mm-hmm and not the Jeffrey Epstein kind of miners. Oh my god. <laughs>
Okay. So, uh, so we've 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 come full circle. I feel like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're talking about Gretchen Whitmer uh, and then and and uh, Jeffrey Epstein, but <laughs> Carly just lost her uh, primary for putting Gretchen Whitmer and Jeffrey Epstein in the same sentence. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, they're I gonna was... send it out on a put it on a billboard. Trying to trying to get back on topic. Carly you know. Hammond compares Gretchen Whitmer to Jesus Jeffrey Christ. Epstein in new leaked podcast audio. At least say satire after it. <laughs> <laughs> Parody. God damn it. Parody. Um, You're gonna gonna have to play some Disney music in the background so they don't know us try to put it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, Carly you know. Hammond threatened Gretchen Whitmer with her life. On the podcast. <laughs> I threatened her with her own life. Gretchen, if you don't stop, you're going to be going till this thing till you're at least 85, 90. Carly Hammond coughed on stop? Gretchen Whitmer with coronavirus. I mean, I mean, even think about think about RGB. Like, do you want to be like having a gallbladder oh, okay. burst every <laughs> Does, week? Do, you, do you think RGB got Corona? That's that would be. <laughs> no, go ahead, say it. So it say it, Alex. It would be hilarious if what? Oh no, never mind. No. <laughs> you know, RGB like uh, doesn't retire because she wants Hillary Clinton to choose her replacement, and then she just dies from coronavirus instead. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Well, try to get back on topic here. Um, you know, I was just, I was thinking. I do like not when... condone the previous ten minutes of dialogue. That's okay. <laughs> you don't have to. Um, you know, when when this all started here in the U.S., like um, when it was like around the time, like when we were seeing Italy get hit really, really hard. And I was just thinking, damn, like they are so much better at like addressing public welfare than we are. We are so fucked but you know here in michigan we are i think we are number seven in total confirmed cases in the in the in the country but we're number four in deaths which is pretty insane aren't we number one for death rate i think we might be uh i think so we, too we have a worse sleep death rate which than is the, like per, I, I just say that because i think it's the only only metric that we should be using because testing doesn't it doesn't mean anything right now we also have the highest death rate for our incarcerated populations. We've yeah. had 40... Uh, actually, no, that, that number's old. That's from two weeks ago. I'm guessing it's more like 60 now. Um, but last I checked, we had the highest uh, incarcerated per capita death rate out of any state in the country, including the federal corrections. Right. No, it's, it's, it's a shame that we don't have an adequate testing regime, and it's May. You know, like this was a this was a thing in January. We were talking it's the swabs, about this. The swabs, the swabs, the little swabs. <laughs> yeah, like apparent. Apparently, uh, Trump and his it's buddy. It's the they, same as a Q-tip. They just needed to make money off the swabs, off off the giant Q-tips. They couldn't just have a command economy and just like make the Q-tips for the public good. They had to like make money off the Q-tips. God, this fucking pisses me off. Carly, do you know uh, how aggressively they're testing in uh, Michigan correctional facilities? They're testing in Michigan correctional facilities? No, I mean, like, it's it's, it's bad. It's not good. Um, because they're asking incarcerated people to self-report uh, when what they have done in certain facilities is throw people into the shoe 
uh, or in isolation or in seg or in, uh, base in, in sometimes in psych for reporting or for saying that their bunkmate is sick. Because if you say your bunkmate is sick, then you have to be quarantined as well. And they don't have any humane quarantining facilities, which means guess what? Uh, you're going into a windowless room for two and a half weeks. So that is, uh, or, or it's a, you know, a fully 24 hour lit, uh, you know, four by four box that, you know, you don't have room to stretch your legs in again for two and a half weeks. So, so there's, there's, up. they're building a culture of fear around reporting in these incarceration facilities. And again, this is prisons. No one knows what's going on in the jails because none of the sheriffs are willing to tell us and there's no one going in and there's no one going out. Um, also to, and, and I'll add on to that. So for, for my jail and my, my, we, we have a prison, we have a jail, we have several juvenile for-profit juvenile justice facilities in Saginaw. And, um, it is very, very concerning to me because they cut off the only free way that basically like free of charge way that people can communicate with their incarcerated family members, which is visiting them in person. Now you can pay for phone time. You can pay for emails. You can pay for texts. You can pay for, uh, what, uh, like zoom or, or I forget what it's even called computer webcam, whatever. Um, which is very expensive. So now you could say that by limiting the uh, free contact to be non-existent, um, that county jails stand to make a profit off of the pandemic because now they are forcing people to communicate only through means that make them money. Yeah. Uh, by not allowing a free alternative. And again, certain jails might have different programs. They might have opened up things for free. The problem is none of them are communicating with the public. So we can only assume the worst. And for prison, for, for a prison specifically, um, and let's not forget, we also have plenty of uh, undocumented detention centers here in Michigan. Uh, the conditions can range from anywhere from, you know, people are, and I, I haven't heard of any prisoners being able to access any masks or gloves, much less any reuse, like, or, or washable masks or gloves or replace having those be get replaced. Um, but not, you know, not only don't they have access to that, but the only extra protection that these prisoners have been provided is that they have gotten a bar of soap, an extra bar of soap. Um, and there's nothing available in commissary. And in fact, many people are having issues with getting money into the commissary of their loved ones in, in incarceration facilities right now because you can't mail it in. So many of them have cut off their mail. So you have to use a kiosk, which also has an associated fee, or you have to use an online service, which also has an associated fee. Um, so basically there's a lot of people making money off of this pandemic right now, mm -hmm. especially off of vulnerable populations who are behind bars. Yeah. Netflix is raking it in right now. <laughs> yeah. Netflix is raking it in. Um, and I, I went to a protest a couple weeks ago in front of MDOC in Lansing, and it was, you know, we had like a drive-by protest, 
and a lot of people, you know, said their pieces. And there are, specifically Michigan Liberation is working really hard to try to bail people out, bail at-risk people out. And they are doing the Lord's work, but they are hitting so many walls. Like the people in the, who are running the facilities down there do not want these people to be bailed out. Uh, they, they bring up old, uh, infractions that people had or old warrants and then they up the bail. Um, right when they try to get him out, it's, it's a fiasco because our system is designed right now and the people who are running it want to keep people locked up. It's, it's not, it's not, it's we already maker. know it's not for rehabilitation. We already know it's not for justice, but in times of COVID, mm -hmm. guess what? No one has changed their minds. Yeah. When we, uh, it would have been a really good idea if like when we passed marijuana legalization here in Michigan that, you know. We released nonviolent offenders from incarceration. That would have been a really good, good fucking idea. And we were, it, it would have been great if quite a few elected officials had promised that as part of their platform. Yeah. Yeah, but a uh, big gretch, so. And I do, honestly, I do want to acknowledge it on the show because my, my friend and colleague Isaac Robinson passed away from COVID. Right. And he was a champion on so many of these issues. Um, I was really looking forward to working with him in the legislature. And to be honest, I feel robbed. Um, because if, if, for those of you listening, um, who don't know Isaac, he was a legislator who actually gave a shit, which is saying something. Um, he would sit up there and let's be completely honest. Almost every other legislator absolutely hated his guts because he would go up there and make meetings last an hour longer than all the officials wanted him to because he would talk and call people out and say, this is not right for the people of Detroit. This is not right for the people of Michigan. And he would say his piece, he would make his voice heard, and he would he he would say, you know, you're lying about this, you're lying about that. This isn't right. This isn't this isn't justice. Um he would he would stick it in the face of the leaders of both parties if they were doing something wrong, if they were lying about what they were doing. And he didn't, he, he, he didn't care about his standing within the legislature. It was about doing what was right. And so for him to be, to, for him to pass away from COVID, um, was just, it was just one of the most unfair things I've ever seen happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, because. Yeah. I, Jair Bolsonaro fucking didn't die. Jesus Christ. <laughs> And like, and in the state legislature, I mean, if you, if, if, if you roll, you know, like, like if, if you do Ouija board on the faces of all of the people in the state legislature, chances are you're going to land on someone who's a white supremacist. Right. And it's, it's like out of all of the people to get COVID and to pass away. I know that's not the right way to think about it, but it's, it's what it's, I can't help it. Like, it's like, why did it have to be him? Um, I, I went down to Detroit. He invited me down to Detroit because I wrote a memo after Gretchen closed the schools due to COVID. It was four pages long, but it was basically because I was so frustrated. It was my dream draft of, of legislation that I wanted passed in Michigan to protect vulnerable populations. It ended up being, I think I said, like four or five pages long. And I sent it to Isaac on a whim. He's like, hey, come down to Detroit. This was way before the stay home order and way before people were visibly getting sick. But I'm sure many did have it by then, including Isaac. Um, but I did a round table with him. I did a press conference with him and he, he asked me to be on his policy team um, to help out on not just uh, pandemic response for vulnerable populations, but on expungement, uh, criminal justice reform 
car insurance issues because he knew I cared about them. And uh, then he, he, he passed away two weeks after that. Yeah. It's very uh, sad. I'm sorry about that. It, I'm like, like I said, I'm just angry. I'm just very, very angry. And I, there's the, you know, there's a race going on for his seat. Um, personally, it's there, it's a 14 way primary for us for the special election to fill his seat. Um, and he won in an 11 way primary was how Isaac won. Like Rashida was in what a seven way primary, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it, it just demonstrates to me that like sometimes you win by the skin of your teeth, but it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter how you win as long as you're fighting for the right things and you get in there and you hold tr true to your principles. I mean, like, that's what it's about. So sorry for that tangent. I just I that's that's somebody that if anybody's listening who cares about Michigan politics, they should know the legacy of Isaac Robinson because you you were robbed. You were robbed on the day that he died. Um, and uh, you should demand that your legislators do the things that that he did. No, I'm glad that uh, we got, you know, to talk about um, Isaac. Uh, they, he was mentioned on Chapo, uh, too, like after, um, you know, he passed away. So like and we, no, I don't think any of us really knew him that well. So I'm really happy that, you know, you somebody who knew him and I didn't I didn't really know him at all. So like it it, it makes me happy. Like I I feel like I, you know, got to know him a little bit through you. Yeah. So that was yeah. Cool. He he drove an hour and a half up to Saginaw from Detroit to come to my fun, first fundraiser and spoke at it and endorsed me because like he and he said the perfect thing. He said like he said you know Carly knows what this legislature is about because half the time legislating is when you're in your caucus room full of 50 Democrats who want to go home looking at their watches because they're hungry, they want dinner, but there's nine bills on the table and you know that they don't do justice by your people. And if they pass, they might even kill vulnerable populations because they move resources around. They take programs away. They give programs over here. You know, maybe we're building a bridge uh, in Oakland County, but we're taking away $500,000, uh, for, for family planning programs in Saginaw County. And you have to convince these Democrats in 10 minutes before they get too hungry to, to, you know, get rid of quorum that these bills are worth taking a second look over. And what he said is, is, you know, I always stand up in those rooms and these, these people, they look around, they go, Oh, here goes Isaac again. Here goes Isaac. But that's what you have to do in those moments. And, I have been in those rooms before personally, me, like I, I've, I've been in those rooms when people, you think these people know more than you do. They think because of the power and the office that they hold, that they hold it more sacred. But at the end of the day, they act like all other human beings do when they're tired and they're hungry and they just want to get out of there. It doesn't matter that they're making rules for literally millions of people. Um, if you're not there to, to be the bitch, uh, in my case, um, if you're not there to, to, to speak on behalf of your people without fear of consequence or standing or, or chagrin, uh, you know, in my mind, not like if you're not willing to do that, you shouldn't be in the legislature in the first place. But that's, a, that's what so many of those fights are about. Yeah. hundred percent. You're not a bitch, Carly. You're a bad bitch. Hey. <laughs> Boss bitch. <laughs> Not bitch boss, boss bitch. That's right. Something completely, completely different. <laughs> yeah. Completely different.
Well, you know, that seems like a seems like a pretty good place to to wrap up. Uh, so thank you, Carly, so much for joining us. Uh, where can uh, where can people find out more about uh, your campaign and the work that you're doing? So I have a website, it's hammond4rep.com, and we are actually reformatting it right now. So by the time people hear this episode, it might look a little bit different. Um, but I also have a Facebook page at hammond4rep95. But if you want to really do a deep dive into what I'm about and the things that I, I've been a part of and my beliefs, check out my website. Um, and, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot of videos and a lot of articles, so feel free, uh, to look through, but also, um, for people who want to know more about my campaign, you know, make sure that you're also paying attention to races in your local area and to the primaries that are happening on August 4th, signing up to vote by mail, um, and, and making sure that you are practicing safety while you also practice democracy. Oh yeah. Alex, did you have anything else to say before we go? Um, real fast, do do you do, uh, do you want me to share with everybody my uh, theory on Avatar? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I feel like you're already there. Avatar: The okay, Last well, Airbender. You've piqued my interest. Yeah. So, okay. Um, Avatar: The Last Air- Airbender is back on Netflix, which is a very exciting. Well, it's on Netflix. Um, I don't think it was ever on it, was it? I think it was for a time. Oh, okay. But um, that being said. I don't think I had ever watched all the way through. I finished it in like two and a half days. Um, all three seasons. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really good stuff. It's like I was saying this like before we started recording. It's kind of like premium television for kids. It's like Pixar Game of Thrones or <laughs> or Disney Sopranos. It's fantastic. It's amazing. But um, but yeah, so. I figured out like what all of the nations in Avatar represent. So obviously like Air Nation is Maoism. Um I basically basically I just didn't want to call them, you know, they're nomads, they don't really live in like a hierarchical society. You know, they don't have like a, you know, or I don't really know so much about the Airbenders, but or the Earth or the Air Nation, but you know like they're kind of like anarchists, but I didn't want to give anarchists to the credit of being the air nation. So I said they're Maoists, uh-huh. which is like, you know, like kind of similar, right? Like they, they, they turn their back on, you know, the industrial ways of the earth na- or the, yeah, the earth nation and the fire nation. But anyways, water nation, they're the Dem socks. You know, they're just like the, you know, normal people, the earth nation, capitalist scum. Uh, they're the worst. Their class-based society fucking sucks. Fuck all that. And Fire Nation, obviously, based communism with Chinese characteristics. And Prince Zuko is President G. <laughs> okay, well, you hear, heard it here first, folks. Uh, Prince Zuko is uh, President Xi Jinping. Um, Save us, President G, please. <laughs> I will reappropriate capitalist propaganda for your benefit. I am a genius. You need me. Okay. Do not send me to the uh, uh, North Peninsula Gulag. He's he's read the best books and he's gone to all of the best schools. This is true. That's right. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.